Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 12. We're talking kingdom stuff. I, honestly, I, I expected to take like, you know, like two weeks after we got done with John. Remember when we did John? Seems like so long ago. Um, uh, and, and take a few weeks to kind of talk about some kingdom stuff to get us on to the next book. And uh, so this kingdom has really expanded, hasn't it? And so that's good, though, because uh, the Lord is not letting it go. Um, and so uh, um, let's pray. Well, Father, we just come before you and ask that your words would be spoken today and that God, um, your kingdom uh, has come and is here and it is in us. And so, Father, help us to, to understand and realize what we already have and what is already here. And we pray this in, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. Okay, so it um, might be kind of weird is why we're covering Matthew chapter 12 when it doesn't really say much about, you know, kingdom in it. It, it will a little bit down the road, but uh, there's some, some reasons why to this, and, and I'll get to them in the message. But so uh, we're, remember, we're developing our mindset, and one of the prayer folks is that we do every, you know, every hour of your prayer that we're praying for is that we as a church, body, and individuals would have a kingdom mindset. Uh, we're having a kingdom mindset because he is a king, and, he's in, and he, is, he rules over a kingdom, he, uh, there is, and that kingdom was within us, and so we all want to be, understand that uh, the mindset that we want to have is that we dwell in a kingdom, and that kingdom is ruled by Christ. And so, uh, remember, you know, there's a lot of different other mindsets out there, and as I go farther into this, some other different types of minds, different mindsets come up as, as well, too, and, and, but, you know, the focus is, is that if there's anything that has precedence over the kingdom of God in your life, then it has become an idol. <clears throat> Because you're, you're worshiping that or you're perceiving everything through that instead of the king and his kingdom, okay? It has become a god and you shall not have any other gods before him. So even your mindset, which can be wrong, can become an idol. Especially, and the why? Because we refuse to perceive the world through anything else except that mindset, that stronghold or whatever that is not Christ-centered, and that can be religion, that can be you, and that definitely is politics, right? Those are the three main ones we've hit. And so I will not give up, you know, um, I, will, <laughs> I will go to my grave being a Republicrat or a Dempublican, right? Uh, I, will go, I will go to my grave being this. This is what we've always been. This is what I'll always be. <clears throat> and you just might because he'll give you the desires of your heart. Much rather would you go to your grave being a, a kingdom-minded person. Okay? So, uh, and I just hit on these. These are just slight reminders because of the season that we're in. You know, this is an election season, and they're not getting any better as I get older. <laughs> they're getting worse uh, uh, as far as the anger and, um, and everything. So, <clears throat> as Christians, we want to make sure that we're... Christ-centered and kingdom-minded. 
Okay, so um, as we're going through this, Matthew chapter 12 is, is talking about the Sabbath, okay? And you, all you Old Testament theologians out there, which there are many of you, understand why the Sabbath is important, right? It's, it's, in one, of the, it's one of the commandments, correct? Uh, keep the Sabbath day holy. Why? For, in, for six days I worked and the seventh I rested. And so keep the Sabbath day holy, okay? So, um, and that's what it says, right? You, you go back here and, you know, look at the Old Testament. It's way back here. Uh, find the bookmark and stop in your Bible. It's probably right there. Okay, so uh, like it is in mine. When he talks about uh, the Sabbath, um, uh, chapter 20 of Exodus and verse 8, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of, of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, your son, your daughters, your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger, or those who are in the gates within you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, or made it holy. Okay, so here's, so this is the, this is the mindset and, and the, of what um, these, these Pharisees and Sadducees would be living under, right? Now, they didn't just take the Old Testament for what it was, right? They began to frame up many, 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 many rules and regulations to uphold the one that was given by God, which was about the Sabbath. So they said, okay, God has given us this Sabbath. And, you know, maybe it started out good. It's like, okay, so how, God gave us the Sabbath, so how do we apply the Sabbath in our lives, right? Right? Well, I got a good idea. Okay, not only work, but now we've got to constitute what work is, and we've got to make sure. And so all these rules and regulations that, honestly, it may start out good. It may start out from a heart of, of really wanting to, to pursue God. It may start that way in the beginning. But the reality of it is, is whenever you start putting structures in place to, to, to embrace the law, you're, you always are going to have this problem of maybe taking it too far and drifting into legalism. And it's like, you, you can do that for yourself. It's like, if, if a certain type of work is convicting for you, you know, and stuff like that, then, you know, you sh maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe the Lord is convicting you of that. But that doesn't mean he's convicting this other guy here, right? You say, but Steve, the law is the law. Yeah, it is, but not your interpretation or your structure of it is. You see, they began to build up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of laws to support the ten. And to, support, and to support the Sabbath. And so they're like, and these laws are crazy, right? It's like, you can't, hey, don't spit on the Sabbath. Because if you spit on the Sabbath, it hits the dust and the dust moves. That constitutes plowing and you violated the Sabbath. Okay, you see where I'm coming from? Do you see where man begins to take this? It, be, it comes from at somewhere down the line by great, 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 great times and then rounded to the nearest decimal point, Jedediah, who really wanted to serve God well to all the way down over here to the, the, the great, 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 subtract the decimal point and move forward to this guy who has no understanding of who God is anymore. Because the law... Hear my heart, because hear the heart of the Lord. The law was coming because of relationship. 
There wanted to be a relationship between God and his creation. Except they said what? Hey, Moses, you, you, we'll tell him and we'll do whatever he says, right? The cloud coming down on the mountain, they get freaked out. and like, hey, Moses, you go talk to God. We ain't going in that cloud. I mean, I, was, I, I consecrated myself for three days. I cleaned myself up. I haven't done what he said, but I ain't going in that cloud. I ain't going to meet him. You go and tell us, right? So, so they didn't experience him, did they? They saw from afar the thunder and the lightning and all these different kinds of things. But there wasn't this this desire for relationship. And so they're giving a law that God was giving that was never supposed to happen without meeting him. Because you can't keep the law without experiencing the lawgiver. That's where you get legalism. And that's where you get works. I don't need to know him. I just need to do what he says. I just need to do the law, keep the Sabbath day. And so I'm going to work extra hard at keeping the law because I haven't met him. And so he'll be real happy. We may not have met in person, but I know him by his law. And so I'm going to work really hard to keep the law. And not only for me, but I'm going to make sure I do it for you. This is going to be a holy church. By golly, you're going to keep the same law I keep in my interpretation of it. So there'll be no spitting in the dirt when we leave here because uh, that constitutes plowing. And listen, nobody better go home and mow or that might be harvesting. It's the harvest season. Why don't we throw that one in there? Right? Sounds good to me. No mowing on Sundays. It's the devil's lawnmower. I'm being silly, but do you see where that stuff begins to drift? It becomes very easy for man to try and, because he's, because he has experienced the other father who is manipulative and full of control, the devil, in case you're wondering, because he was born into that. So the one thing we know how to do and do real well is manipulate and control to get our way. And so because of that, we see this great law, but we've never experienced the father and have no relationship with him. So we take what we know in manipulation and control and use that to understand the law. And that's why, you know, <sighs> girls with short hair, you got to get out. You broke the law. Sorry. Men who are balding, you must have been disobedient somewhere down the line, right? It must be the curse, right? Those who shave their heads because they like it, pff, have fun in hell, right? See, this is where you take the law. This is where it becomes when you have no experience with the lawgiver. You start setting up all these rules to follow this thing, and it's, it's, it, it's all your stuff. It has nothing to do with God because you don't know him. You're just trying to keep a law you don't understand from a lawgiver you've never met. And so this is where we're at when we're coming through the Sabbath. He went through the grain fields. What is he doing even walking? He should have just sat down somewhere, right? He, is he not Jesus, right? Was he even doing walking? But here he is, walking, and his disciples with him. He couldn't just walk on the path. He's got to walk through a grain field. That's even ten times worse. And not only that, he can't keep his hands to himself. They're plucking seeds to eat. 
I mean, my goodness, do you see what he is doing to the religious structures of that day? I mean, it's, it's, it's bigger than the walls of Jericho coming down. It really is. Because he's ruining their mindset of God and their mindset of how that they should worship God when God never initiated them to worship him in that way without being known. Oh, they're still doing the sacrifices. But you know Isaiah and the rest of the prophets. Your sacrifices are an abomination to me. But I thought you're the one that set them up. I did set them up, but I set them, not, set them up so that you could experience the Father. You're not experiencing the Father. You're still being wicked people. You're just doing a sacrifice. What good is that to me? Right? That's Steve Harmon's message version of, of the prophets of the Old Testament. Everywhere you read, these guys are like, your sacrifices are an abomination. Isaiah's like, I'm sick of your new moon and Sabbaths, right? He's prophesying that from the Lord to them. Didn't you initiate the Sabbath? Yes, he did initiate the Sabbath. So why is he sick of it? Because there's no heart involved of you wanting to know me. You're just keeping to tradition, and he is not about tradition. He is a non-trad God, in case you haven't noticed. The only thing he desires is for you to experience him. I know that made some people un, uneasy. My experience. Uh, that's because you don't know them. That's because there's nothing wrong with experience. <laughs> You're supposed to experience him for yourself. And hopefully these 21 days are, are having some of that with you're having some of that with him. You were praying before. I know that. I'm not saying you weren't prayers. Of course you were. But we're taking some time out and we're saying, hey, listen, we, we don't want, we want to reserve this time for, for just you. Yes, we're praying for some things, but these things are, 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 are what we want to pray because we want to be connected with you. We want to experience your Father. Your written word is good, but the written word is not enough. I need the living word. These are words on a paper, Remember? He's the living word. These should point you to the living word that you can experience. Which is why when people read the New Testament but have not experienced the Father, they make up different theologies to go along with what they read. Otherwise, in different mindsets, otherwise they can't explain it. But that's not us. God willing. God wills it. That's for you. All right from a movie all right so he's going through he says look at your disciples what they're doing it is not lawful to do on the sabbath but he has a response doesn't he what does he say have you not read what david did when he was hungry he and those who were with him how they entered the house of god and ate the showbread which was not lawful for him to eat nor for those who were with him <coughs> excuse me but only for the priest or have you not read in the law that the Sabbath, the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. Yet I say to you that in this place one is greater than, than temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. <coughs> so short story is this. They're going after Jesus because he's violating their mindsets. He's violating their tradition because they don't know the Father. Remember, they are self-confessed children of Abraham, not children of God. Who is our Father? We have Abraham as our Father. Abraham, 
Abraham is our father. Children of Abraham! But who was, who was Abraham close to? Anybody? Who? God. He's, he's in the hall of faith, hall of fame of faith. Uh, he's, he, he followed God. God told him to get out. God, and so he did. He just took God at his word and he followed him. But they're calling themselves fathers of Abraham, but they're not. Because Abraham's father was God. They can't be his father. They can't be his brother because they're not in the same family as Abraham. What they're doing is saying, hey, listen, we're descendants just like everybody in the world is created. They may be descendants. They may, he may be the 15th great grandfather of whoever, but they don't know Abraham and they don't know God. So the only thing, and because they're unwilling to know the one whom God has sent to represent him, they're going to hold on fast to their tra traditions, tried and true. And we're not giving up on any of this stuff. You, you're the blasphemer. You're moving my cheese. You're, you're doing this. This is your fault. Everything was fine. And everything was not fine. Everything was crumbling. Everything was being, everything was destroyed. The, the human heart had no understanding of who God was. And God, that was not desirable to God. God is, God does not want to judge his creation. He wants to love his sons and daughters. The act of judgment is left up to those who don't want to be a son or daughter. He's willing that none should perish, but that all should come into a saving knowledge of him. But some are unwilling, and some people's hearts are just hard and unwilling to relent. I'm going to hold on to my tradition. I'm going to hold on to my mindset. I will not know him. And we know where that comes from. And so because of that, they hold their traditions, they hold their mindsets and everything that above God, and that has become their idol. And because it's become their idol, they do not experience, they do not know they do not sense anything that is truly of the Lord. That doesn't mean he's not reaching out to them. He certainly is. God, I, don't, I don't think God gives up until it's over, <laughs> right? There's times when God just waits because maybe there's nothing he can do. But if something were to respond, God would be there. See, death is the transition part, isn't it? Once the heart has stopped and, and we've entered into eternity, whatever choice we've made and whatever we lived by, that's what you're marked with from then on out. But while there is breath in the lung, there are still decisions that can be made, hearts that can be turned. But death is the transition. And for those who are in Christ, no longer have to fear death. Why? Because death is just a doorway now for us. It never, it, it's not the end. It's actually the beginning of life forever. So it's not to be feared, you know. And by I say that, I mean, it's not, you know, it, your time has come and you're laying there. It's not like you're going to be like, okay, wow, this is, this is it, right? It's not like you're not going to maybe feel it, but you're not going to be in bondage to the fear of death as a believer. 
This is why people can, that, that type of understanding, that kingdom understanding about death is what allows people to go into the dangerous places of the world and bring the gospel because the life on this earth is no longer their own because they know whether God takes me or whether he gives me a ministry in Timbuktu or whatever, if they kill me, it doesn't matter. My life starts when my heart stops or the ministry continues if it continues but death is nothing to be feared in the call that God gives to me there no longer has to be the what ifs right what if I don't make it what if it it doesn't matter anymore because you've got answers to those questions someday you'll experience it and it can be tested and we know it'll be true because he's not a liar All right, as if the grain fields were not enough, people, right? He's going to keep this up. I mean, man, he's chipping. I mean, I think, I don't know if I can say that Jesus is sarcastic. He's probably not. But there's an edge to him, you know, on the grain fields. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's still the Sabbath. Maybe I'll heal somebody. Look what he does. Look what happens. Now when they departed from there, they went to the synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? See, they're, they're coming after him. And he's giving it right back. Why? Because when you provoke truth, truth comes forth. Whether you're seeking it or whether you're provoking it, you're going to get it. A response. And his word is going to come forth. If you're honestly seeking it, you're going to get the word and you're going to take it and you're going to conform your life to it. If you're provoking it, you're going to get it as a corrective thing. (laughs) And it's going to come. And so is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He says this. What if there among you has one sheep, right? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? Or how much more value then is a man than a sheep? He's like, listen, you're holding people to all these different kinds of structures. And then you've got this little lamb that falls into a pit. And and he's like, you go after this stuff. Of course you're going to go after this little sheep. You're not going to wait till after the Sabbath because it could die. And what it's really going to do is affect your pocketbook. So you value your economics enough to violate the Sabbath that you hold so dear Yet you will not stretch out your arm to touch a heart that has been created by God. You hold your Sabbath before that. Man, stop being so tough, Jesus. He said to him, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. And the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. See, this is... What you're seeing here is hearts that have refused him, that are unwilling to receive and experience who God really is. And because they hold their tradition, even though they see the miracle, they are unwilling to receive him for who he is. Nobody's ever done this type of stuff before in this type of fashion. See, the Bible doesn't say that he healed some. The Bible says that he healed all, all who came to him. 
Jesus never said, I'll pray about it. Jesus never said any of these things that we make up as theologies to explain what we haven't experienced. Well, you want to be people of the word, right? Then be people of the word. Okay. Um, Let's move on here because... I want to move over. So he heals. All right, so he's Lord of the Sabbath. He's God. He's healed on the Sabbath. Here's another thing. Look at this. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind, mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. That word healed is like therapeutic. Um, It doesn't mean that Jesus took like six hours to walk him through something. That's not what it means. See, that that Greek word there is is more domestic than anything else. What what that really means is like it would be taking care of domestic things. And involved in that would be taking in your, you know, taking care of people in the family. And, And so what that word evolved to from is to taking care and healing the sick. In this, in this area. So when it talks, that word therapeutic there is about, has, has stretched from just, okay, Kelly's got a bad, bad cold, and so Bria's going to take her in and take care of her until she gets better. It, it meant that for people, but it, it became something else as we experienced Jesus to explain what happened, right? So he healed them. It became, he took care of this. He didn't counsel the demon. He didn't say, this demon has come upon you to teach you something about God. He healed him. He took care of it. Okay? Look what happens. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the Son of God? Now the Pharisees heard it and said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. And then Jesus says, Every kingdom, here we go into kingdom. Took us a while, but we're here. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. that's a very important statement for us to grab a hold of because that also speaks it's not just about the kingdom of satan it's about the kingdom of life and light as well too and that's why the enemy has been so good at getting people on different sides of the aisle focused on their battles instead of focused on the kingdom because he knows these things if you fight yourselves (laughs) you'll be destroyed there are some things that the devil just lights a match to and we're the ones who fan the flame of it <clears throat> and create the explosion ourselves because we are unwilling. Uh, listen, God love him. I love this man so much. Uh, Jim Machen Sr. I met with him to pray over a property last week and oh, you, you cannot help when you're... I, I used to explain it this way. People in churches have different theologies. We all understand that. But whenever we've come into a meeting place and he's been there, even if people are believe differently than what he believes, that whole stuff melts away. I've seen it happen. Why? Because he's lived with the heart of love his entire career. And no matter if you disagree with something, you can't escape the love that comes forth and slaps you in the face. It just does. And, and, and he was talking up there and he, 
when he starts talking, you just shut up and listen because <laughs> it is just, it's good. It's phenomenal. It's from the heart of the Father. And he said these words that I've said before a long time ago, but there's just so much power when he says it. He's like, I've cast out demons. Some have took minutes. Some have took a little longer. But you know what I could never cast out? He's like, is the flesh because people have to deal with that themselves. And there's a whole lot of flesh out there in the world today. Maybe, and I don't know, maybe more than demonic I don't know. But the flesh is something that I cannot cast out of my wife. I've tried, but it just didn't work. But anyway, I cannot cast, nor she can cast it out of me. She's got more flesh to deal with in me than I do in her. I'll just say that, okay? So, so but we can't cast that out on e- each other. That's something that has to be sacrificed. And I can't sacrifice her flesh. I have to sacrifice my flesh. That's the living sacrifice that is on the altar. And that was so powerful as he began to say that. It's like stuff you know and stuff you you hear and you're like, yeah, that's cool. But when someone who's experienced the Father in great detail as he has for his 50, 40, 50 some years in ministry comes and takes the experience that he's had with the father and then adds the words come at I mean the power that comes forth from the sustained character of God in his ministry it just begins to hit you you know what I'm saying and so the only thing you can do at that moment I'm using an example because the only thing you can do at that moment is try and harden your heart more to it or, or suck up everything that's coming out of the Spirit from it because you want to be changed by it. And so I'm telling you today is do not be afraid of experiencing God. What we've done in the church, a lot of the church, is we've used the few things in the Bible that talk about how the church should run and they should be there and, and we need them, but we've, we've used them as those scriptures as like the calling of our lives to be watchful about what not to happen yet miss what God wants to happen. What that really is is fear. I've had it. I've been so concentrated on what not to do and what we better not let not happen that there's times when I've missed what he's wanted to do. I've missed this beautiful experience with God. And I'm, I want that, more of it. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Rah, right? The experience of, 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 of knowing him for who he is. I want to get so close to him that it feels like I've experienced him like one of the apostles. Now, I know. I didn't, I didn't live back then. I'm not reincarnated. I don't believe in that. I wouldn't live back then. I didn't walk back then. I didn't see him as he was then. But I can experience him for who he is now in me. But the, that relies in my heart of if I want it or if I don't. And I can build up systems against it. I can shield myself from it. And I'm not hurting anybody else but myself because he's good and the only thing he's going to do is shower with me with love and show me things that maybe I don't need and things that I do and it's all good for me but if it violates something that I hold so dear my sacred cows in my life there comes a choice where I say I'm not going to sacrifice that sacred cow I'm not going to do it 
Or I'm going to get out the meat cleaver and say, here it is, have the prime rib, I don't care. I just want you, I'll sacrifice any sacred cow that stands in my way. I just want you. I just want you. See, guys, we know that he saved us. And when we die, we go to heaven. We believe that. We don't believe. We don't believe. We believe and know for sure that he has saved us. We use the word sozo, the Greek word. But the Greek word for sozo is not just heaven. The Greek word that they use, sozo, for salvation, is everything. You are saved, you are healed, and you are delivered. It's the mindsets of what we haven't experienced is what we've used to explain the word now. And I'm saying... Let's tear down wrong mindsets and wrong theologies and make Jesus our theology and pursue that. Because all we, are, all we really are is glorified cessationists if we don't. We might as well just go to a, a cessationist church don't worry about healing. Don't worry about deliverance. These things don't exist anymore. These things don't happen anymore. There's certain gifts that don't happen anymore. If that's your theology and that's what you want, then that's where you should go. But I'm telling you, there's more. And the battle now is not out here. The battle now is in here of what you believe. Because I believe that he saves, he heals, and he delivers. And I'm going to be locked on to that. And I'm not going to accept half a sozo. I'm not going to go so far and say, that's enough. That's good enough. It's like there's a little, you know, Zach had a little tear. That's good enough for me. Right? No. Uh-uh. I just said your name just because I saw your hat and I like it. That's it. I'm not going to stop because, listen, Moses was going to forsake the promise for his presence. Do you understand that? There was a promised land for them to inhabit. And Moses says, if I don't have your presence with me, what good is the promise? Don't, don't just leave that in the Old Testament. What good are his promises without his presence? What good is coming to church without experiencing the man who created it, Jesus? What good is it is to, to spend all my time and money doing these things or giving tithe or all this kind of stuff and stop short of experiencing the one who has called me and saved me? And all of it, all of him. And every access of my heart. I know it's going to be ugly sometimes. But listen, what he restores is going to be healed and strong. I don't think you've got to walk around for 20 years about something that happened to you. 
I know that it may not leave your memory, but it doesn't have to have power over your future. That's what he's delivering you from. Mindsets, demonic things, whatever. What is he healing you from? He's healing your heart. Listen, if his word says in the, in the Psalms, right? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all the who heals all my iniquities. And what? Heals all of my diseases. What do you do with that? What do you do with that scripture? Well, doctrinally speaking, from what we've experienced in the world, or do you say this? I don't think I'm seeing that. So maybe I need to adjust my theology and my pursuit instead of staying behind something and making the theology about something I don't experience much. Listen, if you're not pursuing, and I'm sorry if this offends you, if you're not pursuing something, if you're not running a race, you ain't ever going to get to the finish line. And uh, I, don't, I, can't, I, I heard this from somebody else. It's somebody else's, but I, I, I thought it was great. I can't remember where. But they said that the great prophet, Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> once said, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. And I was like, that's true. What do you got to risk? You're not betting on yourself. If you're betting on yourself, I'd say don't make that, don't take that chance. You're not even betting. You're just trusting that he is who he says he is and he'll do who he'll say he, what he'll say he will do. Listen, that doesn't mean it's going to come maybe just like this. He even gives, these, he even gives us these stories of this, this little Gentile woman, right? Heal, heal, my, heal my daughter. I can't, can't give what is for... You know, can't give the food to the dogs. Yes, but even the dogs get from the table. Ah, oh, woman, your faith. He cannot help but respond to faith. He can't, that, he responds to faith. Thousands, hundreds of people around him, pawing on him, and one little lady with an issue of blood crawling up, touches the hem of a garment, stops everything. I felt it leave. Why? Because she responded in faith. She'd been everywhere else. He was, he was her last thing. And she grabs it, and he feels it go out of her. And they're like, man, you got all these people touching you, and you said, who touched me? He's like, listen, man, I felt the power go. So I have to recognize the faith. And what she thinks is going to be, right, because she's a woman, she's unclean, and she touched a guy, right? It was very bad in, in there, in that history. She had, by law, she should be away for seven days and then clean herself up go through the purification ritual, right? And so what he could have done that would have made him strong in the eyes of the Pharisees was condemn her for what she did. But he didn't. Because he's the sanctifier of everything. Nothing defiles him. He sanctifies every defiled thing. All right. And this is what has divided his kingdom. It's dividing his church. It's the line down the middle of the aisle that says, sheep over here, goats over here. Belief and faith. Unbelief. 
no faith. Now, I'm not asking you to be spiritual giants. Don't get me wrong. This doesn't become, because he goes along and explains what faith is, doesn't he? Mustard seed, there's your grace. (laughs) See, the mustard seed is like the kingdom. They both expand and grow. The kingdom made within you, but the kingdom that he talks about is the kingdom that always is expanding. Just like the mustard seed of faith. It should, see, here's the thing. When you go through something that has required a tremendous amount of faith, there's two things you can do with that. You can say, we got through that by the skin of our teeth. We are never going to do that again. Or you can respond in saying, wow, do you see what God did here just in this thing? Let's let that encourage our faith and belief for bigger. Those are like the two ways that, that, that focus around, that I've noticed that focus around the people. They get through this very huge thing of, I've seen people that God has dealt with and dealt mightily in and done a healing work in their life and they got through and they're like, I don't know how that worked. I don't know how that happened. I hope that never happens again. As if on the one side of it, they were praying, God, do a miracle. But on the back side of it, they're not giving the glory for what he's done. They're just saying, I don't ever want to go through that thing again. And then they'll come to church for a little while and then they'll start, you know, tailing off here and there and this, that, and the other. And then you don't see them for three years until another problem comes. Let me ask yourself something. What faith do you have to rely on when tragedy comes again when you have not been practicing it in the two years since? You know what I'm saying? He's done this great and wonderful and mighty thing for your life. And I believe that some people treat it as common when it's supposed to be, he's supposed to be given glory for it. Okay, where are we at? Plenty of time. Okay. He goes here to say, too, when he talks about the kingdom of darkness, right? Listen, the church is not going to be a powerful church if it's divided. You're not going to see demonic structures fall. You're not going to be people saved, healed, and delivered when it's divided against itself and when it's divided between what God's word says is true and what I believe. Sometimes there's a division between that. And if, it's, if there's division like that inside of there, then this is what happens. Nothing. Nothing. He said, even Satan understands this principle, guys. He's like, listen, if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself, and how will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, then by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges, right? But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come to you. What he's saying is like, listen, if there's going to be a kingdom, then there's going to be salvation, there's going to be healing, and there's going to be deliverance because his kingdom doesn't come without them. It doesn't come without it. You can't say and sing, he's a great Deliver, my deliverer is coming. 
But you can't say that if you don't believe it. You can't sing that if, if you're not willing to experience it. What good are the worship songs? Sometimes our, our worship, uh, which what we call worship, our, our music thing is, is just about us, like, like Israel, taking the lambs before the priest and not even knowing why. Sometimes the songs we sing in the church are about someone we don't even know. And I wonder sometimes why I don't believe there's going to be any scripture written or any more. But, but if there was, I wonder if some scripture would be written where it says, you know, your worship concerts, your Sunday morning stuff, I'm tired of them. They're actually an offense and a stench to my nostril. Well, why, God? Because it's tradition. You don't even know me. How, could, how, how can you sing and reveal about something that you don't know, right? See, what we, what we look at in the Old Testament and say, man, that was bad, are the same things that we do in the New Testament. We, they're just, but we just are better maybe at explaining it away. It's like, well, your worship isn't what it used to be in this church way over here. Is Jesus being exalted? Well, yeah. It really has nothing to do with the song leader. It has everything to do with the condition of your heart. Every single bit of it. It's the condition of your heart when you come before him. All right. We're going to close the book on this. He says, how can one enter the strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Listen, how, how are you going to do anything unless you've been delivered? How are you going to do anything unless you've been healed? He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not scatter with me scatters abroad do you get what that means in the context of the scripture if you're not doing the work that he is doing then you're not doing his work get mad at me read it for yourself Take all the junk throughout the years that you've collected, like a Pharisee or a Sadducee. I, I, I'm doing this. I'm telling you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching, I don't know, with you. We're all in this boat together. And we're all going to be called to step out of it and see if we can walk on water. All right? So this is, this is what is challenging us as a group of people. And, and it'll either divide us or we'll jump on it together and we'll, it will unite us. And I'm believing that it's going to unite us. One banner, one purpose, one God. And it means we're going to know him. 
We're not just, we're not gonna know him just from words on a book. We're not gonna know him just from words on a book. We're gonna know him because he's written this on our hearts personally. He's taken it from tablets of stone and he's writing it on hearts of flesh. It's something that we're going to, from now, be able to live in. It's not gonna be something that is far out there that we don't know, that we can't, it's entertaining, blah, blah, blah. It, it's something that is within us. He's going to be seated on the throne of your heart. He's going to be, the law is going to be kept from that position in him. Yes, there'll be a lot of things that we won't be able to explain. Imagine being an Israelite as he's coming down the mountain with thunder and lightning at that day and trying to explain that. And I'm gonna tell you that as those who died back in Israel's day, back when Moses was leading them out, those who died, right, and immediately went into the afterlife, whatever they experienced, they would have not understood. It would have just been something it's going to be the same for us. Just because we're 2,000 years older and have a cell phone that you could probably fly to Mars on does not mean that we're really going to be able to explain the things that he does. He's a miraculous God no matter how big our technology seems to be. We're not gonna be able to explain it. We're just gonna say, that's my father. It's my dad. Or if you're dealing with the enemy, <laughs> wait till my dad gets here. Weren't those the scariest things you ever heard growing up? Wait till your father comes home. You knew the lead was going to be put to the seat of the pants. And in deliverance, it's just like that. Hey, wait till my father gets here. Oh, wait, he is because he's in me. Get out. I don't have to scream, spit, jump, any of that kind of stuff. I have to walk in the presence of who he is and carry that about with me. And my Bible says is that wherever Jesus went, those things either tried to flee or ran down and kneeled before him. It's the same spirit within you. Amen? Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife.aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.